Pipes and Mitch. G'day everyone, in this week's episode I have the pleasure of speaking to a very special guest. He's a 30 year veteran of broadcasting Australian sports, both on radio and in television. He's extremely versatile and he's covered some sports including but not limited to rugby league, V8 supercars, golf, MMA and much more. We're both covering as I said on television and radio including Fox Sports, Channel 7, ABC, Triple M and much more. You could say he's very prolific. He's also an, a professional MC and a keynote speaker and he's a regular columnist for online media. Everyone knows that I'm a huge rugby league fan and to see this guy do his work his craft for most of my adult life it has been a sheer privilege to watch him broadcast in many different avenues and for the last few years he's been doing his own podcast doing interviews with some of Australia's biggest names in sport podcast is known as Andy Raymond Unfiltered and I'd love to introduce the man himself Andy Raymond how you doing today hello legend how are you good and with a gritting like that how could I not be good how good yeah mate I'm uh I'm gonna be up front you're a shark supporter from Curry Curry I'm just here for bitchy with Mitchy. So we're just counting down the time. I'm here for Bitchy with Mitchy. And no foreplay. I mean, you just want to buy me dinner first or what? <laughs> oh, you're one of the hard-to-get types, are you? Mate, there's a trolley in the next door's driveway. There's nothing hard about this place. <laughs> so, you know, you haven't heard the the amazing introduction I'm going to do yet, so I haven't decided how I'm going to approach it. So we'll see what happens. Could be a classic oh, niche up yet. Yeah, could well be. How are you today? And thanks for coming on the show. And where do we find you at the moment? Mate, I'm at home on the Sunshine Coast in southeast Queensland. Um, I was in Brisbane yesterday doing a couple of podcast interviews, non-rugby league related. I got home and the bride said uh, we're doing a, uh, a weekend in the country. So we are heading out to Kingaroy for a couple of days. Oh, nice. Um, staying on a, a, a working farm, a uh, very tiny little shack, hopefully with air conditioning or some serious fans to keep this big unit uh, at, at prime <laughs> operating temperature. Um, but, mate, all is good up here. All is good. Yeah, it's, um, well, Queensland has seemingly had its, you know, finger on the pulse when it comes to COVID control. Mm. And down here we're starting to, for the very much part, I can go anywhere in the state now. So, yeah. Luckily, um, you know, it's difficult, isn't it, mate? I've got uh, I've got my my seventy nine year old mother in Sydney, and any time over the last eighteen months that I've come down, it's almost like I'm the bad luck home, and it's uh, it's forced a snap Sydney slash Queensland border closure lockdown. So uh, whilst we've up here. Um, handled it okay, and it, it hasn't impacted as much, mate. Just heartbreaking every day to to look in the papers or watch the news, or even look on social media, and there's there's people losing their jobs and can't see loved ones, and and babies being born and they can't see the grandparents for eight months. You know, whatever that may be, um, absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, so you know, positive signs that. Uh, Everyone's getting out of it and, and, mate, let's just get back to a little bit of normality or what we remember as normality anyway. It, yeah, I agree with you 110% there and my heart goes out to all those battling. So, you know, if you're kind enough to be listening to this today for the bit of a bit of a distraction, I hope you get a giggle and, um, yeah, I hope you're doing well. I, um, yeah, so we, I was able to see my dad. He's on the Central Coast. So yeah. even though he's only a stone's throw away, wasn't able to access the greater Sydney region. Went down yeah. on Tuesday, was able to watch the horses race and have a few cold ones with him and carry on like oh, a pair of Lucas. 
That was good fun. Yeah, any, any wins? I picked the trifecta actually. Um, two, four, okay. six, and um, or whatever it was. Not, not one to uh, not one to want to uh, show you up, but I, I grabbed a, a nice percentage of the first four, so uh, a very nice day. Well, you see that, see that, ladies and gentlemen. With yeah. five minutes in, he's already better than me. How good! Yeah, <laughs> straight away asserting authority. Oh, oh, he's like, you might be, you might be cute, Mitch, but I'd be the big spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how good! Yeah, I, I had paid for the day, and um, I was able to good get a girl's you, number, so it was a good day. Yeah, beautiful. And um, so, what I was, what I was going to do today is like, like some of the other uh, special guests that I've had on, we profile like a, like a timeline. So if yep. you were, if you'd be keen, I was going to talk to you about like your time before you're in radio and television, and sort of what the genesis was of your media career and uh, what Andy's like in his personal life. Like what is he apart from running with the horses and getting his Daryl Braithwaite on? uh, What is he like to do and um, all that sort of thing. But so this, this podcast is essentially, it's got two main areas. It's got good storytelling and this section used to be at the end, but uh, it's, I use it now as a bit of an icebreaking tool. Yeah. You're trying to butter me up. And, and I'm even lactose intolerant, yet I'm still going there. How good. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the idea is to have a good whinge wine sook. And Andy, I was wondering, do you like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchie this week? 100%. 100%. That would that would make my week, actually, Mitch. Okay. Well, would you like to go first? You seem like you're bursting at the seams. Mate, no. Uh, you're in complete control of this uh, of this vessel. It's, it's live to Mitch. Uh, not life's all dandy with Andy, so um, <laughs> sweet and dandy with Mr. Andy. How good! <laughs> so, you're in charge, boss, whatever you want. You see that, everyone? That's how you assert dominance. You make them yeah. talk on a program with your name in it. <laughs> 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 okay, so one thing I want to, I was whinging about just, just before I hit the record button is some of the alumni here in Curry Curry, like for the most part, it's an old mining town that's. It's been forgotten over time, and it, and that's a shame because there are some nice murals here. But some of the people are absolute germs. Now, I was down at the service station recently filling my car up. It was Bowser number two. I walked in to pay for said fuel, and there was a really angry old lady in front of me speaking to the attendant. And rough as she's like, "Excuse me, can you tell me where the toilet is?" He's like, "Sure, it's over there near the entrance." So I physically had to walk past this woman. And as I'm walking to the attendant, he instinctively says the number of the Bowser out loud to whoever approaches him. Innocently looks at me and goes, number two. And she's still in here, shot this thing. She turns around and goes, no, as a matter of fact, you fucking pervert, it's a number one. What's it to you? <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> I, oh, lost I love it. it. <laughs> so oh, I love it. My bitchy was, was just, I don't know if it's being in the right place the right or the wrong place at the wrong time, but my, my stomach started to hurt. I laughed that much. Oh. oh, that's a beauty. I love that. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to jot that down because that's not a bad punchline to function somewhere. That's that's 110% true story. Feel free to feel free to use it. I'll, I'll credit you. Okay, yeah, one Mitch Kelly. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how good. So people of this area, please just don't be so cranky and do your best. Yeah, relax. A couple of deep breaths. Don't ruin Mitch's Friday either. Otherwise... <laughs> There'll be massive issues. There will be. Look out. <laughs> what about you, sir? What's uh, what's what's ailing you? What pisses you off? Uh, what's pissing me off? Um, she's in the shower at the moment, um, so she can't. <laughs> oh, that's, oh. Probably, that's probably a good start. Um, well done, Captain Courage. So she can't hear you. <laughs> oh, 
That's not being courageous. That's just being smarter than the opposition. Um, <laughs> God, I'm not brave enough to say it in front of her. Uh, what's pissing me off at the moment? Not a whole lot pissing me off at the moment. Uh, oh, yesterday, Halverson at $2.70 getting beaten by uh, by a, uh, a $51 favourite. No, Halverson won at $51 and beat me. Um, <laughs> that pissed me off no end for about 45 minutes. Um, but no, I've had a I've had a coffee. I've got a, a good lunch set up. There might be a, a coldy or two this afternoon. This afternoon being Friday, it'd be silly not to. So at this very point in time, not too much bitching. Not too much bitching. Oh, you seem very excited to to uh, to get out of the gates. Be like, okay, sweet. I can't wait for the bitchy with Mitchy, and yeah. I'm actually doing okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird, mate. If if I start with what I'm bitching about in life, there is a chance that I won't stop. Um, but th- there's nothing really grinding me at the moment. Um, oh, rewind. Yes, yeah. and this will this yeah this will grind with everyone and anyone in Australia. Uh, thankfully, West Australian Police did a, a fabulous job over the last uh, three weeks. We found young Chloe. Yeah, that was great news. What about the grub that has been arrested and charged? I found him on Facebook under a Bratz Dolls name, and this is a sick freak. That's disgusting. But that people knew about, um, hid his behaviours or ignored his behaviours, but he's he's been charged. Next, my my bitch is that this shit happens. Pardon the language. This shit happens in Australia, in the world. I just I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't cop it. I don't tolerate it. Thankfully, Cleo's fine. So he's going to get charged with a range of charges, I would imagine. I'm not a, a legal type, but it's 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 going to be kidnapping amongst other things. Again, is the court system going to let the police and the community down? I don't know what the maximum sentence is alone for, for kidnapping. It certainly wouldn't be up there with, with murder or um, no. or anything like that. My fear and, and grievance uh, would be that this bloke's, you know, potentially out in anything under thirty years. I'd be, I'd be filthy. And I think there's a, a bitchy with Mitchy right there that that um, the legal system continues to to let down the great work that the the police and the investigators are doing, and continues to let down the community that that should be a lot safer than what it is. Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm definitely not a, a legal expert now, but. I mean, I'm not a parent. However, yeah. I've spoken to a few of my friends that are, and they oh. said, you know, I'm not going to mention news. Like, if someone did that to my daughter, I would be very, very hard for me not to kick the absolute life out of him, just about. 100%. Um, which, 100%. you know, like I, I, I don't condone violence, but if someone does an evil act like that, that's that's very, very hard to not go, you know what, I'll kick the out of this guy. And you can swear all you want. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's fine. So S-bombs, F-bombs, you name it, we've got it. Oh bless! And um, but no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like it's great that Claire was found, you know, and and I'm I'm ecstatic. The social yep. media blew up, and and so it should. It's great news. But you know, people out there that have that that evil desire. I mean, my mom used to work with um, uh, Catherine Knight. You know, Australia's worst yeah. serial killer, it's female yep. serial killer. 
and um you know what she wouldn't but i know people who are from scone as well and they tell stories about um you know just how off she would be and i worked in the rms the art well formerly the rta and a lot of the guys i worked with used to work with ivan Malat. he was a road worker for a long time yeah. on a concrete and crew from sydney yep. and uh same thing like eerie vibes and all this stuff and you you just like you want to question them on some shit because they're just so if there's anyone oh. out there who is suspect like do the right thing i mean Right. Just yeah, just report. Hey, I'm I'm Google. I've just googled now, and this has come up from a criminal lawyer in Sydney. Kidnapping charges carry a maximum penalty of 14 years in the district court. Aggravated kidnapping carries a maximum of 20 years in the district court, and specially aggravated kidnapping carries a maximum penalty of 25 years. So, um, yeah, you'd like to. Jeez, even 25 years that's you know if you if you include parole um exemptions I, I don't know what that means um the guy is obviously you know batshit crazy as well um he, he lives in a house with brats dolls um is he gonna go or be pushed to go the the insanity route or whatever that's enough to to, yeah. to grind my gears mate Play the I, mental health know, card yeah mm. yeah exactly you know what? Here we like to we like to burst open all avenues. So um, no, thank good on you for bringing that up because it, it's an important thing that and a lot of people don't speak about such things because they don't they want it. Oh, I'm too uncomfortable. I'm too this. I'm like, yeah. well, that's fine. But sometimes it needs to be addressed. So no, good on you for yeah, bringing that up. Sometimes we do need to have the discussion, don't we? Yeah, I have a, one of my best friends. Um, he was on this show in episode two. He lost his daughter when she was nine months old. She never left the hospital, the poor thing. And for the longest time, mm. me included, we never really spoke to him about it. And, you know, he's not the kind of person to bring it up and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm stressed and can, can we chat? Yep. And looking back, um, I wish I had of because when he did finally burst out after a few beers and just overwhelming emotion, yeah, it's like cascaded out of his eyeballs. I'm like, well, you know, I should have been there. So... For everyone who is who knows someone who might be a little bit anxious or yeah. stressed, I say just just put the put it on them if they want to chat, just offer it to them. I suppose. I tell you, um, and I've done a, a little bit of work in this in this space and have a bit of a knowledge of, of the mental health space. Um, absolutely, ask your mates um, whether they're male or female. It doesn't matter if it, if it's someone in your circle. Always check in. It's nice to check in and make sure they are okay. But. As blokes in particular, I don't know whether it's ego or, or what it is. Um, if someone asks us, don't hide it. Don't um, don't wear the mask. If, if we're asked if if we're going okay, um, it takes a big man to say no. I'm not, and I'd love to have a chat. Be the be the bigger man. Be the bigger woman. Um, there's no embarrassment in saying yes. I need a chat to a mate. You know, to alleviate some emotions, some pressure some tension to have a few questions answered um it's a it's a conversation that's that's positive largely 110 percent, i agree with you and uh i i've had i have anxiety i suffer and i've spoken to counselors and i actually did an episode with a guy who is a he's not a male rights activist but he's a mm. he's fighting for men to get the like the things they need so he's from the u.s this guy used to date oprah he's pretty baller and he wow he gave a a men's speech a mental health speech and he took her there on a date because she embarrassed his friend who was a male psychologist on her show before she went big and um yeah she's like i never sort of thought about it like that before but yeah you know he's pushing for men like in the u.s 
there are much more facilities for women to get mental health and yep. help in that regard. And he's trying to get more resources for men. So, you know, it ain't weak to speak. And um, I right. absolutely, I, I signed, I co-signed that too. So nice. Alrighty. So I might tangent away. I've got some, some questions for you. If, if you came to easy brother to get in. So, you know, like, and before I move on from that, that wasn't a very smooth transition. Like my head just rough as. Um, <laughs> You're in I don't know. Company. I just yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. It's very important to talk about. And anyone out there, as always, you're all the welcome to email the show, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you about anything if you want to share your story. Feel free to do that too. Alrighty. First question. Take yourself back to as young as you can remember. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing you were ever a fan of? Whether it be a sport, a book, show, BMX. You're in a BMX riding. bike riding way. Yeah. And. Late, um, I was born in 1971. Uh, the late 70s was the initial boom of BMX, uh, both in the States and in Australia. And it exploded uh, like nothing since. You know, within, within two or three years, every kid pretty much in Australia or every kid that I knew had a BMX bike of, of some type. Uh, the first track in New South Wales was where the, uh, the Macquarie center is now in, uh, in North, Northwest Sydney. Um, they, they used to have meetings there and there was probably only 60 or 70, you know, riders at the meeting for the first couple of years, then it exploded. Uh, a new facility was built opposite the old Channel 10, just uh, near the uh, the M2, where that goes into the Lane Cove Tunnel on a huge block of land, and the huge block of land is still there. Mate, the sport exploded. There were mini tracks going up, you know, in every vacant block around Sydney where you'd, you'd get home from school, jump on your pushy, and, you know, go and play in the dirt on your, your BMX bike. And, mate, love that initially. That was uh, that was fabulous. Great years. Yeah, nice. I, I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 88. And, yep. um, you know, we grew up in a small, in western Newcastle, a little place called West Wall's End. And yep. my brother and I, we had a red line or a mongoose, and we actually had a yep. hot foot bike as well. So we I grew up riding BMXs, had more stacks than I'd like to admit. But yeah. riding your pushy down, down the back of the soccer track, we built jumps. And um, yep. oh mate, that takes me back. Nostalgia, one hundred and ten percent. How good! Yeah, some fabulous times. Oh, and I still managed to put weight on as a kid, even though I rode everywhere. We'd ride to, yeah. we ride to Edgeworth, which is about six k's away for those giant yep. slurpy things. Yep. Try and ride back one handed. Jeez, uh, we're stupid. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So next question is: um, since you've been in, you know, entertainment and media for, you know, veteran of over thirty years. Just curious, what was the genesis of your entertainment career and how did you actually initially get started? Um, my dad was um, a motorsport commentator for Channel 7 for 30, 35 odd years. He was also uh, the boss of Channel 7 Sport in Sydney for a number of those years. And I was never pushed, um, never persuaded, but I just showed a... Um, I guess, a maturing interest in the industry. And as a young bloke, I, we'd race BMX and play footy or, and or cricket on the weekend. We only live five minutes or 10 minutes away from Channel 7. And I would go up there every couple of weekends after whatever sport we'd done and 
make coffee, get lunch, go to the printer, just errand boy. But when I had finished my duties around the office, um, I'd, I'd sit in with a journalist and watch them write their story, watch them produce their story, watch them edit them the, their story uh, for the nightly news. And I kept coming back and I kept coming back. Um, and as a kid, even, even now, mate, I'm a sponge. If I love learning unofficially, didn't like learning at school and hated school, but love sitting down with someone older than me or in a different position to me and just learning about them, about their skill set, about what they do and, and how they do it. And that's what I did as a kid um, in my teenage years on these weekends. And every third or fourth weekend would become every second. Then it became every weekend. Then it became uh, Saturday Arvo, Sunday Arvo. And by the time I finished year 12 at high school, I knew that I wanted to pursue that. But more importantly than that, the guys at Channel 7 at the time and girls knew that they had a young bloke that was very raw but extremely interested and really committed. And I had a wonderful group of mentors um, in my early years that uh, I'm just so thankful for that took the time basically to show teach and nurture the work experience kid and uh that's how it that's how it kicked off oh how good i um yeah i look to be honest that's where i want to end up eventually i'd love to be working in radio and that's one of the reasons i started this little potty yep. and i started uh volunteering at a local station too i do a show uh every thursday morning and good um, on you. just trying to get ahead but you know yep. it's it's important to to follow your passions. And I've said, I've had a few people on say that, like, you know, if it feels good, then do it. Like it's yeah. life's too short not to, if you take your ideas to the graveyard, humanity can't benefit from it. I know that's a bit morbid, but it's truth. No, it is. It's, it's a hundred percent the truth that uh, it really, really is. In fact, I, I did an interview yesterday and as we are speaking, I am just pulling up the quote uh, I read this quote in a, uh, a book that I've literally just finished. The book was Fearless, the story of former Navy SEAL Adam Brown. Uh, and the quote at the end of the book is, life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and preserved body, but rather to skid in broadslide, thoroughly used up, totally worn out and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. And that that sums it up, you know. It's it's inevitable that our, our time is going to come. Um, I want to use the opportunities, use the time, the experiences, the good and the bad, because not every experience is going to be a good one. Um, I'd rather get to the grave in a terrible state, but having had a wonderful, wonderful time. That's exactly right. Me too. I think I like that. Actually, that resonates with me quite a bit. Um, you know, if you live your life in a protected sense, then you're going to be pretty and worried. Just do what feels good. I mean, I said yep. it on the show almost weekly. If you have that idea to build that house, travel overseas or create that art, then then do it because yep. you'll sleep better. Like, I'm a shift worker and um, I look forward to days off where I can come and do this and I create something with some yep. awesome people like yourself. And I'm, it, it makes me grateful to, you know, to create and collaborate with people. And it, I haven't been happier. I mean, 
I'm definitely, yep. I'm definitely happy from the from the gut down. Many beers in this in this uh, <laughs> this tank. I'll show you, but it's all about making. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Correct. Yeah. I Absolutely. honestly, I'm good at trivia nights. I read a shitload of beer coasters. Hey. All right. So that's the genesis of your, of your radio career, and you know, you spoke about your dad and how he was a massive influence on you. Um, and your uncle was in media too, is that correct? Yeah, uncle yeah. was in media, a Logie winner. Um, uh, worked, had his own show on Channel 10 in uh, the early days, the, the late 70s, early 80s, I'm going to say. Um, very familiar name in radio, still chat with him regularly. Never, ever um, felt the pressure to live up to the names because I, I knew I couldn't. Um, and that's being brutally honest. I, I knew knew I couldn't, um, but I was I was raised as a young bloke uh, on two primary values that I, I still cherish this day: uh, honesty and loyalty. Um, and that starts with being honest and loyal to yourself, then honest and loyal to those that are worthy of that in and around you. Uh, to anyone else, it you know it doesn't matter; they don't deserve your time. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to live up to those expectations of the family name. And that was being honest, but I was loyal to myself and honest with myself and, um, would eventually carve out a, uh, a really enjoyable career in my own right. That's awesome to hear. So I heard a recent, recent, uh, interview you did with, um, one of, one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest Sharks players of the last 20 years, Matt Rogers spoke about his father, Steve. Mm. And uh, he said, like, you know, although, you know, you got everyone was saying to him, you know, oh, you got to, you're only here because you're old man. He's like, I'm going to show you blokes. Yeah. And I think, like, you just sort of answered very similarly. It was like, yes, I'll take the best parts of that and then yep. create my own, like, part of the world. And I guess the follow up question for that is, what are some of, what's some of the greatest lessons that you learned from your uncle or your dad or someone? one of your mentors, do you think? Um, again, it falling in line with those those family values that I was taught, you know, in the lounge room as a, as a young man, honesty and loyalty. Um, both my, my father and my uncle, very honest to a, to a fault perhaps, and, and extremely loyal, um, would do anything for anyone within their circle uh, without any thought. It, it just, it comes naturally as a result of being honest and loyal. It also to a degree means you, you don't necessarily take bullshit that well or bullshitters. Um, and I think I've also got that trade off them that I eliminate those ones from my life really quickly, really easily. And I just walk away. I get that. I've a few people in my life. Um, I call them Instagram. Because sometimes yeah. you're like, mate, you need a filter. <laughs> oh, way too honest. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what was your first ever gig? What covering in TV or radio? Uh, first ever gig was not TV and radio. It was, I will say, 1986 in the introduction of what was then known as the Supercross Masters Indoor Motocross at the old Sydney Entertainment Centre. And dad was doing the commentary and I joined him He done up in the tuxedo voice hadn't broken. And I, 
uh, was doing commentary and also did a little bit of hosting out in the middle of the uh, of the arena. So my first gig was, you know, live in front of nine and a half thousand people. Um, I think that's what the the capacity was. Uh, it was something I was familiar with with the motorbikes. Uh, I knew a lot of the guys. They made me feel very welcome. Um, and all these years later, still mates with the promoter, who's been a family friend for fifty eight odd years. Um, wow. I spoke to him last week. Wow. Um, he's doing a little bit of promoting at the moment and doing the the monster trucks most recently before COVID decided to interrupt. Uh, but that was the first one, Supercross Masters at Sydney Entertainment Centre in 1986. Oh, how good. That, what, a, what a great way to start. And then you, yeah. here, here we see the bike ride. <laughs> I, I sounded like a, uh, a YZ80. Basically, in terms of, in terms of voice, when I should have been a, a thumping, you know, uh, KX four fifty. Oh, four stroke of the best, I'll tell you. Yeah, that sounds correct. dirty. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you're out on the road, or you know, say if you're away calling something, mm. what's a guilty pleasure that you don't like to live without for too long? Um, mate, I'm a I love my Tucker, as everyone my size does. Uh, and love love my beer. I tell you what I did do going back about a decade. You know how we all see, whether it's on the internet or on Facebook or Instagram, we see the article that says uh, New South Wales best steaks or best burgers or best palmies, and you go, oh, I wonder where that is. And by forty eight hours later, you've forgotten about it, <laughs> um, and you think, oh, you know. I'm driving through Coffs Harbour and I know there was a restaurant here and I can't remember the name. I started putting them into just my favourites on my, my iPad or computer at the time. And when you see that list, you know, I save the websites for the 20 places. And I have over the years, it's taken many different forms, but systematically um, tick off where I go. And I, I knew if I was going to Melbourne for the footy, I'd find out where we were staying and what time things would open and shut. And I'd find somewhere on my list that I wanted to tick off, whether it was a Mrs. Palmy's on, on Palmer street, I think it is Mrs. Palmy's on Palmer street, or if it was, you know, Braden's burgers, yeah, it's St Kilda or whatever it may be. And I'd tick them off. And um, mate, as I said, taking a life, over the journey, there are now thousands, literally thousands of ticked off places. And the first thing I did yesterday, as I said earlier, actually, I, I think I told you before uh, the interview, heading out to Kingaroy tomorrow for the weekend with uh, with the missus and the, and the aging puppy dog. Yeah. Um, first thing I did was check Kingaroy restaurants, Kingaroy pubs, and I know where we're going for, for dinner Saturday what might be on the menu for Sunday lunch and dinner. So uh, it continues. Oh, how good. Just speaking about like, um, like things you like to try. I'm into craft beer myself. Have you heard of a, an app called untapped? I haven't. Um, so mate, I am very um, lacking in variety and willingness with my beers. <laughs> I, I haven't like got into, uh, <laughs> I haven't got into the craft beers as yet because I just, I know I, I just like my, my schooner of 
you know, it used to be Resha's. Now it's, uh, you know, either a Carlton Draft or a Great Northern Original. I don't vary too much from uh, from the likes. Might you sound like my daddy. For the longest time, he was on on the Yellow Bullets, the old 4Xs. Yeah. And then I, I had a, I left a six-pack of Great Northerns there. I said, yeah. oh, you have them. It's fine. And he's like, ooh, what is this? And yeah. ever since then, he has barraged his body with some of the greatest beers from up north. And, love uh, that. Yeah, yeah love that. I was going to say, it's kind of like, um, it's like Facebook for your, for, for beers. Like you can pull wow. up the map view of where you are and it'll tell you what's on tap at this pub, how people rate said beer. And, and what's it called? Untapped. Untapped. UN, untapped, like U-N-T-A-P-P-D. I'll send it to you afterwards if you like. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly check that because uh, because the, the bride doesn't mind a, a craft beer uh, while I'm, throwing them down and double park she sips away on the on the uh, the craft beers so she might be interested fair enough yeah well, i think kingaroy's there's a brewery just outside of kingaroy yeah i think but yeah like i know it might be worth grabbing a four pack or something on your way out 100 percent, yeah all righty so whilst you you know you've been broadcasting um and no matter what sport in the intro i cover some of the sports you've done you know you got your regular you obviously you got your union you're your fighting and your, your supercars um and plus more do you remember uh, something that you've covered that's resonated with you that was a good vibe and a cool story that goes with it could be a grand final could be a a race day um tell you the uh, i worked at the bathurst 1000 for channel 7 before i was on air for channel 7 working on the bathurst 1000 and i was part of the uh, the film the, the the mobile film crew in pit lane and that that was a huge buzz. Uh, I carried the satellite pack on my back in the early days of the satellites, and it was, it was probably twenty five kilos in a backpack on your back with a, a giant metal rod up the top, you know, transmitting the the signal back to the dish and back to the trucks that inevitably ends up, you know, on your TV in your lounge room. You were the original four uh, G tower. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly, it certainly wasn't five G. Was, uh, that was really cool. But the first time I was on air at, at Bathurst, I still remember it. Um, and a lot of these guys that were the big names were mates of, of dad and had been for years. So I knew them um, away from the cameras. And, you know, this is the, the Peter Brocks, the Dick Johnsons, the Mark Scaifes, the Alan Grices, the Alan Moffats. And they respected dad and they liked me, I guess, as a young bloke. And I wandered the starting grid prior to the race, you know, 20 minutes before the race, doing interviews on live TV. And the joint was packed, a huge adrenaline rush. And those guys knew that I was a baby at what I was doing um, and, and needed some help and needed some confidence and they were fabulous. And they added to my experience, my excitement, and my adrenaline. So I will say the first time I worked um, a Bathurst 1000 uh, on camera is something that stands out all these years later. How good. That would have been unreal. I, have never, I haven't been fortunate enough to get to a Bathurst, but I've been to Oran Park, Eastern Creek, and I've been down to Phillip Island for the bike. So it's still on the to-do list. So Yeah, Phillip Island with the bikes is 
even if you're not a bike fan, I reckon that's a, a must do at some stage and it will blow your mind. As you well know, when you, when you stand down the end of, uh, of the main straight there and they come down and hook into that first turn, Holy shit, balls of steel. Oh, you don't realize scary. how quick they are. In excess of 300 Ks plus. Yeah. Um, and what, what got me was like, so I went down with my brother and his mate Georgie. And um, as we arrived there on the first day, I was, I was mesmerized by paddocks of just full of helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, well, stuff the, stuff the bikes. <laughs> yeah. This is how the rich kids play. Oh, and uh, I thought I was pretty pretty flash in my little black Ford Focus, but I guess I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a very cool story. Um, what a life you've lived so far in terms of yeah. professional life. That's no, it's great. Been, been fabulous, and and the the memories. Look, a, a lot of the memories and moments, to be honest, uh, never take. I've never taken them for granted, but I still get reminded about really cool stuff even to this day that that has just disappeared from my mind i did an interview uh last week with uh the great bulldogs um marone and australian hooker jason hetherington who's also one of the funniest humans you've ever met um and we've been mates for 26, 27 years. And we were doing the interview, and I dead said forgotten about this. He made his Australian debut as a late call-up in New Zealand in 1998. Now, I was over there covering the game for Fox Sports. Because he was a late call-up and something else was going on in Auckland, um, there were no more rooms. There were no more beds at the team hotel. Literally None. And I was on the same floor as the players and one of the officials came down as he's standing in the foyer and said, mate, this is unorthodox. Can you help us out? I said, yeah, I'll help out. He said, can Jason Hetherington bunk in with you? And I said, yeah, of course, mate. We're, you know, we're, awesome. we're great mates and, and that's not an issue. And he relived that story to me during the interview, something I'd completely forgot. But now I look back on it. Imagine that happening now, and how cool is that? A, a mate of yours has been selected to play for Australia for the first time, and he's your roomie. I am. Um, that'd be like I don't know what to say. It's like holy shit, I'm going to enjoy yeah. you doing your thing, and after I'm done broadcasting, I'm going to have a few uh, cold ones and watch you enjoy your do your thing. And, yeah, bingo. And back in those days, I'm sure you would have been allowed to go out with the players afterwards and, and have a good time. Mate, uh, I started travelling as a news reporter commentator in 97 uh, with touring teams, um, whether it was New South Wales, Queensland or Australia. Some of the coaches over those years, Chris Anderson, who... Former Sharkies uh, coach, Australia coach. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And the best touring coach from a social perspective in the history of the world. Is he? Cool. Uh, it was it was his shout first at the bar every single night, and there was a, a a core group of journalists that or commentators that would travel with these sides, and he welcomed us every night into the bar with a shout, and we were welcome in the bar with the players, you know, uh, uh, with the management. We wouldn't talk footy. We also wouldn't reveal two secrets that were swept under the carpet. Um, but 
you know, from 1998 through to, I, I guess I'm going to say about 2006, some great tours, some great moments, some really awesome hangovers, and <laughs> no one was was any the wiser. But, you know, the Chris Andersons, the Wayne Pierces, um, geez, I'm, I'm going to leave out a heap of coaches. Wayne Bennett. Uh, Wayne Bennett was the coach when Jason Hetherington um, made his, his debut in, in 98, the story I just told you. And even old Clint Eastwood himself, very, very grateful and very thankful that, you know, I'd, I'd let the new kid bunk in with me. Um, so, yeah, some some wonderful stories. How good. See, I, you know, the rugby league nerd in me loves hearing stuff like that. And, yeah, um, I, see, my I got involved in rugby league. I'm a, I was the biggest David Peachy fan. And yep. as, a, as a kid, the old man took us down because I grew up in Newcastle, took us down to watch Sharkies play the Knights at the old Marathon Stadium. Yep. Might have been circa 98. And after the game, you know, I think the Sharkies got up and he, they were walking around the pitch and shook my hand. He's like, G'day, mate. You know, what's your name? And, you know, where are you from? And so I started, like, okay, I would have been seven or eight. So, okay, this, this guy's a nice guy. And I think it was later that year or maybe even the following year, that famous footage of when, he was scored against, then he shook old mate's hands. I forget who it was that scored against him. Yeah, that's right. And Rabs Warren was like, that is a, an incredible uh, thing of sportsmanship. And I tried yep. to sort of emulate that as I grew up. And the fact that he was born in Dubbo, I found out later like I was, um, sort of just reinforced it a bit more in life. So i got time for this, David Peachy. And then you learn about guys like, you know, your Gallons, your, your Jason yeah. Stevens, your Nigel Vunganas, you know, these guys. And it's like, well, this makes sense. I guess I'm a sharky now. Are you still waiting to score your first try, Mitch, so you can shake uh, someone's hand and, and see if you can capitalise on the opposing fullback's generosity and sportsmanship? Well, I'll tell you what, mate. If I can achieve it, I'm fading away from a block of units right now. So if I can <laughs> get that feat. <laughs> I played a few years for the West Wales End Magpies and I scored six tries in one. I was an outside centre and um, my job, I was a sacrificial lamb because I've, I've, I've you know, since I was 12, I've only grown outwards and I'm only about 5'9". And I caught more, <laughs> I absolutely caught more hits than a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> but it's good fun. And like Mal Meninga uh, was there at our ground uh, sort of oh, cool. scouting for, for grassroots programs and chatted yeah. to him. We were about, 14 absolutely nice bloke as well and a big guy he's solid as he's huge man very humble um a nice guy in fact he's, he's a he's a yarn for you uh my first official day on the payroll at channel seven and my first job uh or errand 1990 uh the boss says here's the keys to my car go and pick mal meninga up from the airport Mal was flying from Canberra to Sydney to come out to Channel 7 to film some promos of him chewing a football for the upcoming test series that Channel 7 had. And um, as the new kid in the office, uh, if I wasn't making coffee or or getting lunches or, uh, you know, a whole range of other, you know, quite basic tasks, I, you know, I just did what I was told. So I went and picked Mal up. And uh, I've done an interview with him for the podcast. And we actually had a giggle about that because I was saying to him, it's my first day and my first job. And we've ended up terrific mates all these, you know, 31 years later. That's great. And that was the year that the, the Raiders won the comp, wasn't it? In 1990? 
Yeah, it was. And then Penrith went to steal it, them off it the following year with Brandy Alexander, if I'm at my memory exactly. shows me right. Yep. I was Two, at, at that point, I would have been about 18 months old. So, how good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening here? What's happening is it just means that you are more experienced at life than I am. That's all it means. There you go. I love that. <laughs> so, in your time interviewing uh, countless sporting legends, in many mm. codes, was there someone that you were truly surprised as to how nice they were like in real life, or like um, just what, what you you had a pre- preconceived notion of what they'd be like, and you were really surprised as to what their personality actually was? Does that make sense? That's a that's a cracking question. I've been really lucky to forge long term and really solid friendships with most of these guys, uh, and and because I am older, um, you know. These friendships date back to, to 1990 in rugby league, even earlier than that in um, in motorsport, because even before I was working through dad, I knew these other guys. But three guys stand out off the top of my head, and they're all motor racing guys, and they're three of Australia's icons, legends. Alan Moffat, Dick Johnson, and Peter Brock, who at the time in Australia in the, in the 80s, early 90s, absolute household names uh, around Australia. And you didn't have to be a motor racing fan to know who Alan Moffat, Dick Johnson and Peter Brock were. And all three had a an aura about them, but they had that, to me anyway, that appearance, maybe confidence, maybe arrogance. They were good at what they did and they knew it. All three absolutely delightful professionally and personally. And uh, and the way Peter in particular um, would handle himself in public and publicly through the media was unbelievable. I've never seen anyone to this day handle the media more professionally or better than Peter Brock. He was a master at that. How good. And, you know, those three names, like I, you know, dang it, I'm a, like I'm a racing fan, and you yep. know, not I wouldn't say I'm hardcore, but my stepdad grew up on motorsport. You know, loves his bikes, and he um he was telling me a story like he works for Mercedes, and uh, yep. they had a, a a function in Newcastle in sort of circuit what 2003 04 or something like that. A few years before, unfortunately, we lost the great Peter Brock, and he said the same thing. Like he was saying that like, I was ha- chatting with with Pete, and um and he come up to me, asked me all about what I was doing, and who I was and he was just genuinely interested and he said like you know when you he said I was you know gobsmacked I didn't know what to say I was starstruck and this is coming from a bloke who's the most cool karma collector man I've ever met yeah and, like it, to have that effect on someone that is, nothing bothers him like it's I don't know yeah. like that I hear that and I just go that's awesome like and yeah, me, I, I agree I agree and mate to be honest most of the and I don't know if it's a generational thing most of the older guys, um, you know, my age and over in particular, um, who I am still friends with 30 years after meeting them in the football, just terrific blokes. I mean, unbelievable blokes with good values, good morals, a, a real decency about them. Mal is one. Wally Lewis is another. They, they're very different from the public perception and the stories uh, I'm particularly close with Ricky Stewart, who is a polarizing guy. Uh, like you ask, you ask a hundred people in a pub, do you like or not Ricky Stewart? Fifty will say 
we love him, 50 or so, we hate him. One of the best, most honest blokes, most loyal blokes you will ever meet and have the good fortune to be in his company. A Wayne Pierce, another one. Um, you know, maybe the greatest bloke that, that God ever put breath into. Most of these guys are terrific human beings before being terrific footballers and or coaches. Um, but that's the there's also a little bit of the fact rugby league's the blue collar game and they're just they're blue collar dudes. They yeah. really are. I, I just recently watched rewatched the footy show greatest hits from like ninety five to 02. And yep. uh, there's a snippet on Wayne Pierce and he's like, Yeah, I'm heading up to Newcastle to do Andrew Johns. He's just like, Oh, not to do him. Get out here, Fatty's getting in. <laughs> Um, actually, Fatty was up here for a few, I bet two years ago now, just before COVID, him and the Chief had a Tails and Owls night. And yep. um, it was just beers and Fatty. Fatty could be a comedian. He's a crack up, eh? One Naturally, minute. very funny dude. Just, yeah. And that's him. And again, another guy that is polarizing. Uh, a lot of people love Fatty. A lot of people can't stand him. Um, they've got this preconceived notion of, who he is, what he's like, and what he's about. A terrific family man and, and a terrific mate to have. Oh, how good. I, I, he, I spoke to him for 10 minutes and the chief, two very lovely guys. So now that we've, we've spoken a bit about like some of your experiences that you've had and, and you know, some stories that get with it, I, I, I like to ask this question to, to every person I've had on from the entertainment industry. So, you know, you're quite prolific. You're a podcaster, which we'll speak about shortly. Now, you've been radio, television, behind the scenes. You're a, an MC as well as a professional speaker on top of that. So the question is, what do you think is the winning equation to stay successful slash in brackets relevant in the media industry? Do you think it, the key is to spin many plates? Or what do you think, in your words, is the... Yeah, look, 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 spinning a couple of plates is, uh, is probably ideal. Something that I necessarily don't do that well. Um, I believe that I need to be focused on, uh, you know, the one or two specific plates. And if, if there's any more, um, you know, maybe a bit of an issue. Um, I can't speak for others, but for me, I think my longevity is goes back to the, the two pillars that I was raised on, honesty and loyalty. Um, co-workers over the years may not have liked me, uh, bosses may not have liked me and, and that I can't change and that doesn't bother me because not all of us are going to go through life with everyone liking you, but you couldn't find anyone that said I wasn't honest and loyal. Um, and I, I think that's probably been uh, my biggest positive. What I, I had a really, really simple goal and I figured this out by myself early on. We're in a fortunate position to be professional broadcasters doing something we love, but, and in particular with pay television, you're paying for something extra. So I've got to, my job I thought was to give you something extra, but even more important than that, not every day and not every week is a great week for everyone. So my job, whether it was calling the boxing or the footy, was to make you forget the, you know, the mortgage payments are behind, There's, you've got an issue at work, the kids aren't going well at school, you're having a fight with the missus, whatever your issues that week were, I wanted to come on for a couple of hours, whether it's the footy or the boxing, and try and entertain you with a fact, a story, a line, a bad joke, 
uh, an emotional interview. I wanted to entertain you so you could just for two hours for that week, forget the bullshit in your life. And um, if I was able to achieve that, uh, really satisfied. It's escapism. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, I, I like you like to entertain and to hear that, you know, it's, it's really nice. It resonates well with me because to see, mm. to hear someone like not only does it for work and could take it for granted, but to hear that you actually want to help people, you know, mm. your desires aren't for, aren't for just financial gain. It's to, you know, get yeah. something out of it too. So that's awesome to hear. Um, oh, that, that's, that's just me. That, and that's, that's probably more of a, um, more of a reflection on my parents and, 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 and how they brought me up. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys like that. Um, I treat, it's hard. People say, was it work? Did you treat it like work? And I was a contributor to a, a book recently. And one of the questions was, did you consider it work? And I said, it was work because I got paid, but otherwise it was passion. It was love. Um, and I got paid for the passion and the love. I didn't, I, I, I've never taken any, I've never taken anything, any game, any interview for granted. I've, I've never, I've never relaxed and just gone through the motions um, because each game, each interview was different and memorable to someone for a different reason. So I've, ne- I've never taken anything for granted and I can say super proud of that because I don't know. Um, I don't know how many could say that, to be honest. Yeah, it's not a common thing. Like, I mean, I've seen you go through some of the notions where it's Sammy Burgess spiraling a ball at your head or that yep. unfortunate little Sharks kid. <laughs> oh, what twice. about the Sharks kid? How good? Oh, I um, I was you know, tuned into that game. I was actually, I think it was at the old man because they were playing the Chooks, weren't they? So I can't remember. I don't know who they were playing. And- I. I saw the vision again. Um, <laughs> uh, up, yeah, and for anyone that's uh, uh, that, that hasn't seen it, um, it is uh, it, it is online somewhere on YouTube. But I'm doing um, a pre-recorded piece, and thankfully it was pre-recorded on the edge of the tiered seating at Shark Park. And so uh, it's the middle of winter. The Southerly's roaring through Shark Park. I've got the jacket on. I've got the microphone. And I think I'm going through the team lists. And uh, a kid who has actually since a couple of times contacted me on Facebook and said, hey, remember me? I was the dickhead that did this. He has decided to jump over the top row of chairs that are fixed to the ground to the second top row. And he's caught his foot and gone face first into the concrete a metre behind me. (laughs) And he's got up in an instant pretending nothing has happened and tried to do the same thing again to the next tier and done it again. Two absolute cracking head over ass falls and gets up and the crowd start clapping and I lost my shit and just started laughing. You know, the cameraman, the the camera starts shaking, the cameraman's laughing, the audio (laughs) guy's laughing. Um, it's probably a shame it wasn't on live TV because you know when it's when it is live, um, natural instincts take over. But very very funny outtake and, and very natural. I know exactly where it is, and I'll be posting a link in the bio oh, underneath. Cool. Um, cool. So, can I share a story with you, and then we'll talk a bit, a bit about the podcast? Is that okay? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this is how I got started. Now I just wanted to see 
your opinion because you know you're, you're professionally doing it for for a while now so i appeared on a tv show mastermind that video i sent you um the one the one where's, where's your onesie oh it's it's in the laundry basket i yeah leave it in the laundry basket because you were down at the service station this morning in it <laughs> i'll um I'll sign you up for my OnlyFans and I'll give you a private cool. shirt. Yeah, so, nice. <laughs> so when when I got when I got to the studios at SBS, uh, the bloke is like, Oh, how am I gonna put a microphone in this thing? And as he's getting creative, I'm like, Oh, you you might have to buy me dinner first, champion. Like cracking <laughs> cracking up. And then I, I went into the studio, they had to bring me back out because I have the I'm bald and um, I, they had to foundation my head. It was too shiny. Is that <laughs> so right? I'm going, yeah. oh, for goodness sake, this will be ridiculous. And I get on yeah. set and the onesie is a scrubs theme onesie. I had Mark Fennell in stitches. It took him 27 takes to ask me questions. Nice. And um, finally got it done. And then he shared the promo video a few weeks before the episode. It went viral. So across all of his socials, it was roughly half a million views. And wow. someone, because it was a scrubs theme onesie, someone tagged, so Scrubs, two of the Scrubs cast members do a podcast called Fake Doctors Real Friends. Yep. They got tagged in it, inboxed me to appear on their podcast. So I did. Uh, had them laughing. So Turk and JD from Scrubs had them laughing. Yeah. They promoted my podcast, shot to number one in the leisure category on Apple. I was like, and then after wow. it happened, I was like, so what do you what do you reckon about that being a, a bit of a, a stepping stone into it? That's uh, it's making the most of, uh, of, of an opportunity, um, mate. It's everyone's story is different, and um, you 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 make the most of your opportunities, and you do you do so by being yourself, which again goes back to the honesty, loyalty thing that I'm I'm quite sure everyone has has had an absolute gutful of of hearing. Um, but but your story is a different one. Um, very much reflects your personality. I am just one hundred and ten percent dickhead. It's, it's just <laughs> you, yeah. Oh, I, I just I like sharing that story because I like to make people laugh, and yeah, I don't know. Like I'm enjoying myself, and it got oh, me. The, the local, so there's a local um, mining newspaper up here called the Coalface. They did an article yep. on me as well. Like they seen it and contacted me. I was like, oh, okay, you want to speak to me, like little fat Mitch operating haul trucks in the mines. Um, You've been okay. a superstar at the Curry Curry Bolo that week. Oh, I honestly, not one not one schooner has been bought for me yet, but. No, no, it's coming. It's coming, legend. Don't worry they, about that. They just got FM radio here, so we'll get to that point eventually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough about me. Sorry to waste a few minutes, everyone. Um, so these days you've been podcasting now for what this. So you, the, the podcast is called Unf Andy Raymond Unfiltered, and. Yep. You've been this podcast has been going for what roughly two years? It uh, started the September 1, 2020. So, uh, you know, we're looking at about 15 months, 15 months at the moment. We had a really busy um, opening 15 months and, and have done quite honestly too many episodes. Um, certainly. I can't sustain um, the production rate that I'm going because we've just surpassed 250 episodes. That's insane. Uh, yeah, crazy. Um, and none of them are just me talking. We've done about over 180 different interviews from Mal Meninga to Wally Lewis to Cody Walker to AJ Brimson to uh, Craig Bellamy and Ricky Stewart and even winding the clock back further 
to guys like Michael Cleary and Bob McCarthy, the legendary Bob McCarthy sat down for a three-part episode with me, um, during which he is telling me firsthand accounts and stories of the immortal Clive Churchill. Now, when we hear, in 2021, we hear a story about Clive Churchill, it's second, third, or fourth hand normally down from generations or he said this Clive was Bob's coach at South Sydney in, in the latter years of uh, of his tenure at Redfern to hear first-hand accounts of the little master amazing mind-blowing and we do two different style of podcasts we have the legend series which as you guessed is with the legends uh, retired legends of the game looking back at their their career and their life, um, the title of the podcast is Unfiltered, so they are unfiltered. Um, there is nothing off limits, but it's not a podcast that's going to generate news headlines or clickbait. Um, I'm not, I've never been into the um, the bagging of people or the naming and shaming of people. I, I don't, I'm not interested in it. So we just talk about their reflections and what they recall of, of, of their careers and the, the moments, the stories, the memories that make up their journey. Unbelievable content with the, the current day guys. Um, we do shorter interviews and we talk about their favourite game, their debut, uh, the grand final they played in, their, their toughest opponents. Um, what's the benefit of a, a left and a right foot kicker in a footy side? whole range of topics and just in the process at the moment of, of looking at the schedule for uh, for next year and, and how we're going to do it and how we're going to structure it uh, because I, I, I can't keep up this workload um, of generating so many uh, interviews and so many podcasts and so many episodes. But what it has done, it's created what is now the biggest online library of interviews in rugby league. Um, That's a pretty impressive feat yeah, to achieve. And I tell you what, the the one thing that I'm proud of is the way we've structured um, or the way I've structured my interviews and my storytelling is there is nothing time sensitive or time critical. You could click on to any single one of our episodes at any time and it'll make sense. It, just because it was released a year ago, it doesn't mean it's out of date or out of time. Everything is time irrelevant, if you want to term it like that. So, um, you know, we're constantly getting new listeners and they are going through episode one, two, three, bang, bang, bang. And, and you can see the trends that uh, the new listeners come on and they they start rattling through and binge listening. And as a listener, um, like, and as a fan of rugby, anyone out there who is a fan of rugby, and you, you, you delve into other realms as well. So you get sporting stars from not just rugby league, but I think I read some uh, motor motorsport icons as well. I've got Dick Johnson. Uh, one of the more amazing stories is a young bloke called Darcy Ward, who was the original little wild child in southeast Queensland. Happened he could ride motorcycles as a young guy, and they were speedway motorcycles, uh, which is huge in Europe. They are absolute superstars. And he went over there and led the superstar life before a crash, um, you know, two inches the wrong way, and he ended up in the, the fence surrounding the track and he's ended up a quadriplegic. Uh, so Darcy sad. and his beautiful wife, Lizzie, have 
just given birth to to their first baby. Uh, they're down on the Gold Coast. Um, so we go through his journey of young wild child to a, a, a 16 year old living in a caravan in southern England to becoming a superstar um, on the British uh, on the European Grand Prix circuit. Then to the accident, um, his hospital stay, his rehab, his recovery. Um, we go through it all. An, an amazing story. That's um, see, I'm I'm going to be still smashing more podcasts. I uh, I want to hear that story. Um, see, it, it is beauty, and he speaks really well. That's awesome. So that's kind of what this is like. It's a storytelling podcast, and I just one thing that I um ever liked since I was a kid, like I I resonated with characters. Mum used to crack the shit. So I'd be like, "What happens next, Mum? Oh, how would I know?" Um, yeah. You know, like a lot of people would buy like video games for multiplayer. I just I buy one for a story. Um, yep. And you sound similar in the fact that like you you not only want to share these awesome like walks of life, but you you take a genuine investment. Like you, as you were talking, then you actually your face lit up. Kind of like me under a yeah. glaring sun, like it's and um I know like I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the storytelling because I think it's different. Um, and I think if if done correctly, it's really engaging. Um, and and some of the feedback I've had on the on the podcast has been it feels like it's me, the guest, and the listener sitting down at a table just having a conversation between the three of us. That, yeah, that's that's I think that's one of the the ultimate compliments to receive that yeah. I, I, I got to, you know, I don't do this for numbers and stuff. Clearly I haven't, I, it's, it's a hobby pod and I got a genuine uh, review from someone in Ireland. And he said that like, you know, the Aussie humor is funny. It's kind of like listening to two blokes chat over a pint at the pub. And, you know, yeah. it, it, Mitch takes a genuine like time to get to know the person he's talking yep. to. And, you know, it, those are the things you remember, I think. So yeah, um, I agree with you. I am, um, you know, I'm just, I'm on this trajectory just to keep enjoying life. And if nothing comes of it, I'm okay because I'm still enjoying it. And yeah. to anyone out there who happens to be, especially a rugby league fan, you cover different eras, past and present players. And I guarantee yeah. you there will be a player or a story that you would like to hear from a club that you relate to. I mean, I, I recently when I went back over and listened to Lukey Lewis's series of events on the 2016 grand final. Yeah. Um, and I had listened to Craig Fitzgibbon's two-part. You know, I did that recently. Um, you know, my, my old man's a chook, so I got him onto it as well. And obviously, Fitzgibbon's now the Sharkies coach. I took an yeah. investment. And to hear that things have come full circle, I didn't realise his dad was one of the first coach of the Illawarra Steelers. I'm like, Illawarra I did not Steelers. know that. Yeah, the great Al Fitzgibbon. So there's there's a lot of stuff in there that um, that is relived, but there's, there's stories and there's snippets of information that, you know, either we didn't know or, or we'd forgotten um, because we don't retain everything. And I, I really enjoyed the Craig Fitzgibbon interview. That was a, a recent one. He came over to home after the, the Roosters were, were knocked out of the premiership uh, because they were only staying, you know, 15 minutes down the road. Mate, terrific footballer and as tough as they come, Craig mm. Fitzgibbon. Mm. And he's, uh, he's not a big, I mean, he's a tall kid. But he's, he's not this big, muscly thing. Um, huge motor. Re- really enjoyed the interview, and he's going to do well for your Sharkies, mate. He really I, is. I, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I would describe your podcast as kind of like an audio excavator. You're just unearthing pieces of gold. And, yeah, I uh, love that. Audio yeah. excavator. Oh. Yes. I am. Um, I'm an absolute wordsmith. Have a go at me. Fair dinkum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a dickhead. So, you know, the podcast is called Andy, Andy Raymond, hashtag unfiltered or... You know, so you type it in, even you type in your name to any of the streaming services, 
I'll include links below um, and to your websites as well. Um, and yes, any rugby, especially rugby league fans. I know there's a few listeners of you who enjoy rugby league. Um, yeah, so go and check that out. And so they're more human interest stories than sport. Yeah. Um, and the one I'll use as an example is, is Mal Meninga. And and so many people have, have questioned Mal Meninga's background. And Mal did his own research. And at the very start of the interview, he goes through uh, his journey looking back on his own family tree what he found how he found it and and you know spills the information about the Meninga family and how a, a uh, an islander man ended up with uh, you know a white australian during you know the blackbirding days in 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 queensland where men of color were were either removed from the state or uh, or almost used as slaves just an amazing human interest story and one of many that we've covered See, see, that is why I get guests like you on. It's because of stuff like that. So my next uh, lot of night shifts, I, I load them up on USB and for 12 hours, I just, I listen. So I've got yep. lots of stories to get through. I really love the three-parter with the King as well. What, yeah. what, a, what an absolute legendary man. Um, so yeah, please guys go check that out. And yeah, we'll wrap things up shortly, but you sort of touched on it before. So what what's next for you? You've got... More podcasts in the pipeline, and you know, what next more year? podcasts in the in in the pipeline. Uh, the the rugby league landscape continues to change in terms of media, um, and opportunities will arise, whether they arise immediate or immediately or not. Um, I got a text message yesterday about uh, some potential work uh, for next year, but I did some. Uh, I called some games for Triple M Rock and the Footy this year, and uh, I'd never really got my teeth into into radio, um, but enjoyed the experience. Did it with some good mates, and um, uh, who knows what twenty twenty two and and beyond will bring. But but otherwise, the podcast and enjoying life, my friend, enjoying life. Hell yeah! Or yeah, so. Feel free to go check that out, guys. Links will be in the bio. And Andy Raymond, thanks for coming on Life's Image this week, and I'll talk to you soon. Pleasure, legend. Absolute pleasure chatting with you, mate. You're going great. Thank you. So catch you on the next one, guys. Thank you.